We've had some incredible victories coming through the core collective group, and we're excited to be here today with both Jackie and Donnie and Minkeel, the founders of Pineapple Development and Joy of Cleaning, an incredible entrepreneur and couple as well who had an amazing pivot that came about because of COVID, which is one of the reasons we're here. So Jackie and Donnie, welcome. And FYI, it's Minkello. So many people around you saying, ah, yeah, I don't know if it's going to work. You know what? I'm going to make it work. Tying your passion to a paycheck is not always the best mix. Welcome to the most valuable fucking show you're going to listen to all week. This is Unfuck My Business. Thank you. (laughs) I did my best, guys. I did my best. (laughs) It'll never be good enough for somebody who speaks Spanish, right? It was a very exotic version. I like (laughs) it. I tried, guys. (laughs) awesome guys we're excited to have you here as uh one of our first group interviews in terms of seeing what you did with the business but uh, you guys have an incredible backstory so i want you guys to take maybe like three five minutes to share a little bit about your individual stories and kind of how that comes together as a couple first well i mean i guess i'll go first yeah i actually have a back an agency background in digital marketing and public relations And our journey as entrepreneurs together really begins, you know, back, we were living in Chicago in 2014 and we sort of hit the proverbial burnout wall of corporate America. So I was leading a very traditional sort of climbing the ladder type of lifestyle, getting into the office at, you know, 7.30, in the morning staying there until eight at night, entertaining clients afterwards and getting home and hitting the pillow just to do it all over again. And I think he was, he was in a very, very similar position, different industry, but we decided to go against the advice of our family and friends and quit our jobs and give up our benefits and such and move to Costa Rica without ever having been there. This was a very concerning life choice for everyone who knew. knew I think you're nuts or on drugs or something, right? (laughs) Did you join a cult or what happened? We'll talk about that later. That's another interview. (laughs) (laughs) But so, yeah, we arrived in Costa Rica on April 1st not a joke, April 1st, 2015, with our dog and six suitcases. And basically, I feel like in a lot of ways started life over. So that, that's kind of where our like entrepreneurial journey begins. Yeah, I had at that time, I had just started freelancing here and there, just taking on a few Magento clients, and uh, which gave us a little bit the ability to move to a different country and still have some income and Jackie tried to leave her company, but the owner didn't let her. So she kept her, her job for <laughs> a few more months. But yeah, so that helped us, you know, make the move. And uh, that's where it all started. Costa Rica, baby. Incredible. So you got you guys literally just gave up your entire lives, moved to Costa Rica. You guys were living the dream, what everybody's going for. They're like, I want to live abroad, back, backpack lifestyle kind of thing. And you said that's kind of where the entrepreneurial journey started. What happened next? Yeah, I mean, things, yeah. yeah, so we started, We, as Jackie said, we had never been there, so it was quite a, a learning curve, culture, language, everything, right? Internet, electricity, 
So over time, Jackie ended up quitting her job. It was just too much, you know. It was like living in Costa Rica, but living the lifestyle of Chicago, you know, having to be in certain calls at a certain time and, and you know, uh, having to deal with certain clients that she didn't really like to. So over time, she realized, okay, let's work together. And then I guess, I mean, you can take over now, but we started working together. She started helping me a little bit here and there. We were we'll kind get, of skipping part of the story. We are. Anyway, he Let's had been freelancing yes. for the entire time that we were in Costa Rica doing web development. So that's where, where his <laughs> sort of, I mean, he, he has been in e-commerce in one way or another for a little over 15 years, I think, right? From the moment I sold my first eBay product about 15 years ago. Yeah, he right was... On. So he has always been in the online space and selling things online. I mean, when we were in Chicago, he was the e-commerce director for a shoe company. He obviously spent a lot of time as a freelancer, as a developer himself. So he's been on both sides of the table. Once I decided truly to leave the company that I had been working for in Chicago, I actually spent I, the first couple of years of our time in Costa Rica as the lead correspondent covering Costa Rica for International Living Magazine. So Perfect. that was an interesting part of my story because I am a writer by passion at heart, at the core of everything I've ever done. Writing has always been a part of my role. And this was the first opportunity that I had to actually make that my main function and, and turn it into a job. And what I learned in that experience is that something about tying your passion to a paycheck is not always the best mix. Um, I feel like that's a really delicate balance and it really depends on what you're doing and how passionate you are about it. And a lot of the beat that I was covering at the time was geared towards expats who were interested in retiring in Costa Rica. So it gave me a lot of cool opportunities to travel the country and cover different places and different topics, but it was all geared towards a demographic outside of myself. So there was a big disconnect there in terms of what I was covering and it kind of sucks the creative energy out of what you're doing after a while. Our time in Costa Rica was a roller coaster. When in 2017, my parents came down to visit us for Christmas and we were aware that my mom was sick before they came for their trip. But at the time she thought maybe she had pneumonia or something. She had like a lingering cough that she couldn't get rid of. And she had kind of given us a heads up, but we didn't really know what was coming. And so they arrived for Christmas and within a few days of them being there, it was very apparent that she is very sick beyond what she had communicated before they arrived. So we end up convincing her to go see a doctor in Costa Rica and we find out within a week that she has a massive tumor that has engulfed her entire left lung And within another two weeks, she's diagnosed with stage four lung cancer in Costa Rica. So it turned into a whirlwind. My parents Mm. didn't end up going home. She she was diagnosed the first week in January, ended up in the intensive care unit in San Jose, which is the capital of Costa Rica. It was one of those scenarios where they prepare you multiple times for, you know, today might be the day. Mm. If it is, are you ready kind of a thing? And she, she was fighting. She was trying to fight. 
So anyway, we did end up getting to a point where she was able to come home from the hospital, but she was too ill to travel. So they ended up staying with us and she passed away in February. So that was a, that threw me off my rails completely for so many different reasons. I mean, I was incredibly close with her, but also just all of the circumstances surrounding that situation. I was at a point where I was unable to function. So can relate to that big time. Yeah. Yeah. It was something that I, you know, I've always felt like, you know, I'm a strong person. I can get through anything. I can push through anything. I've been through a lot, but that was something on another level where it was just like, I'm checking out. So I ended up giving up my position with International Living Magazine And I'm going through this process of trying to figure out what am I going to do? Where do I go from here? How am I going to function after this? I was a complete mess. And I had a dear, dear friend in Costa Rica who is actually a, a transformational breath facilitator who was working at a place called Rhythmia. Shout out to Nicole real quick. Yeah. Shout out to Nicole who saved. For sure. You already sound like somebody I want to be good friends with. Yeah. And we'll For talk sure. more about that, how important it is to surround yourself with good people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we're sitting there having this conversation that we at that point have had several times and me just saying, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I, I don't know if I, like, I literally don't know what my life looks like after this. And she had suggested this to me previously, and I had been resistant for many reasons. Fear is a big one. But she said, that is it. You're coming to Rhythmia. You're going to go through the program. I think you need to try ayahuasca. Um, yes. Like the perfect example of what would spur someone to go and try this. And she's like, what do you have to lose? You, you literally have nothing to lose at this point. Meanwhile, he's still slinging web development projects and, <laughs> and, pulling in developers to help him because he has too much work and literally holding our life together because I have become completely off the rails, incapacitated mentally. So that was, I think, I don't know, maybe that was a Tuesday and I went to Rhythmia on Thursday. For those who aren't familiar, ayahuasca is an an ancient form of plant medicine that was originally uh, discovered and used in in the jungles of South America. And they've been using it for thousands of years for all kinds of things, from physical to mental ailments. And it's a very, very sacred plant process. The shamans who who have been trained to administer this medicine for their entire lives, they live and breathe the medicine and what it can do for people. So this is something that is very near and dear to their hearts. And, and they bring that into the process and make sure that you know that this is like being invited to their house for dinner. So I have an epiphany in this ayahuasca ceremony the first night and I have the notes in my journal that it's like literally a bullet point list. And it's like, finish projects with international living and quit. Tell Junior we're starting an agency. <laughs> All the steps. She, somehow she knew. 
<laughs> I was like, okay. this was this wasn't quite like de-stressing and smoking a joint. This was like a serious experience, right? Like smoking oh, yeah. ten joints all in one. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't. It's one of those things that you can only describe to a certain point. It's unlike anything I've ever experienced, and I truly believe that it's something that to fully understand it, you'd have to try it yourself. I mean, everyone has such a unique experience that you could also talk to 10 different people and walk away with 10 different perceptions of what ayahuasca is or, or what the experience is like because it's very unique to each person. So anyway, I, I come home and I tell him this. I, <laughs> I think close to my exact words were, it's going to take me a long time to tell you about everything that happened. But the most important thing you should know is this is what we're going to do. <laughs> she started off, I'm quitting my job. Like, okay. He's like, okay, great. <laughs> so yeah, that was, I believe, November 2017. And we officially launched Pineapple Development on January 1st, 2018. It was the two of us. And our lead developer, Pavel, who is still with us today, who had been working with him at that point for probably about five years already. He had a few freelance clients at the time that we talked to that were more of like a long-term maintenance type of client that would be what our ideal target in the agency setting that we had talked to, told them what our plans were, what we wanted to try and develop. And said, do you, do you want to stick with him? Do you want to go on this journey with us? And they were on board. So that was great. <laughs> yep. So it's, it, it didn't feel like starting from zero percent, maybe 10 percent. He was already moving at a 10 mile an hour speed. Yeah. And then over time, you know, picked up a little bit. So yeah, we, we, I mean, that was really us jumping into truly working together for the first time. Literally, we had a big <clears throat> desk. We worked next to each other, computer next to each other. So. Yeah, we had this guy in Costa Rica build us this desk out of Guanacaste wood, which is their like sacred wood. Mm -hmm. It is a six foot desk and we set up our stations right next to each other. We will never work in that close of quarters again. <laughs> Great how that turned out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At least separate rooms. You can start yeah, yeah. Yeah, all that energy in one room, man. <laughs> you can smell each other's farts. Your desks are too close. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so this is incredible. Chicago, Costa Rica, shit falls apart personally and then professionally. Things got impacted. You guys decide to make a pivot as you've done so many times. And now you guys decide to start your development company, but you guys aren't just developing like small little websites. Like from what I understand, you guys are developing like some fucking legit websites. I mean, when I met you guys and, and I saw what you guys were doing and I heard who your target audience was and everything else, I was like, this is serious. So what was Pineapple and what does Pineapple Development really do that you started back in 2018? Maybe I can just bring up a few of the clients or a few of the websites that we've done. Just so we Sure. Have yeah, yeah. We have the thermos.com website we completely redid that it was uh, through another agency in atlanta but our developers rebuilt the whole site we've worked with diamondback for example one of our largest clients now is pinch a penny as you guys know you know they have a little over 200 250 locations and a brand new client that just came on board is and chris jenkins you might appreciate this uh is true leave so we're working on redoing the whole system there's a couple different teams working on that 
So we are one of them, development team, but we mainly work just to touch back on the frameworks and, and uh, platforms that we use. So it's mainly Magento that we work with, and we also do some Shopify work. I would say 70% Magento, 30% Shopify. I would say though, from a, like a business model perspective, by and large, the majority of our business is maintenance contracts. So a lot of these companies are coming to us with an existing mm-hmm. website and for whatever reason, they either don't have a team that's equipped to handle, you know, the level of growth that they've now hit or they haven't been happy or, or whatever the case may be. So we often inherit existing websites that our team maintains and develops new functionality for and oftentimes has to do some digging and some fixing of old code (laughs) this is something that i think i have this conversation so often about websites and in the era of e-commerce where what what you really have is a business that it's it's a retail business where the website is the replacement of the brick and mortar storefront of the let's say quote unquote past and so i think one of the biggest misconceptions or the hardest things for people to wrap their mind around when they're new in the e-commerce space is that the a website can be a very laborious process especially when it's new to figure out all the pages you need, the copy, the images, how it functions. What- You're making me sweat just thinking about it right now. <laughs> yeah. And so by the time people get through that initial huge long haul of like, okay, now we have a website, like, ta-da, they really would like it to be just done. And I have so (laughs) many people that like, it's time to look at your website as if it were your brick and mortar store or even your house in the, in the sense that this is never going to be a finished product because your business is fluid and you want your business to grow. And as you grow and as you add new products and as you update your branding and messaging, you need to continually be working on your website alongside that process. So once we've got a baseline product, let's look at it as the, you know, the house that we just bought that now we want to eventually put in new windows and eventually we're going to have to replace the roof. And at some point we're going to want to paint and we're going to need a walk-in closet. So that is, I think where we really excel is building that relationship with our clients and getting into a space with them of like, we want to be in this with you and we want to be there for the shit hits the fan moments of something is broken, something's not working, whatever. But we also want to be peppering you with ideas and suggestions along the way for like, okay, now that we have the homepage looking really great and it's driving people to exactly where we want to go. Now let's look at the checkout process, for example, and how can we make this? I mean, every e-commerce website today is basically competing with the convenience and consumer experience of Amazon. So how can we get people checking out faster? How can we make this easier for them? How can we entice them to come back? How can we make this the place they come to look for golf equipment instead of going to Amazon first? I I love the way you guys approach that too. And for those listening, I think it's important to realize as a business owner, you can get so lost in the sauce of the websites and should you need a website? I was there. I'm not the tech guy. That's why I know people like Chris and y'all. I mean, being able to go to each of you and ask these questions 
and the technical the technical skills you guys have from each individual perspective is huge how do you measure success so much money can get dumped into websites and you get sold it and and it's exciting but then that's like where it begins right so i love the fact that you talk about it being a brick and mortar because i think that's where i want to lead into the next question because your stories are incredible i know there's so much more in there with the cleaning company and some other stuff you guys don't stay still but one of the cool things i know we're talking a lot about how this year, 2020, has just been an unreal year for uncertainty. So much shit going on in the marketplace. And when we first kind of formulated Core, and we were still in our infancy, a little under 20 weeks ago, I know you all had a huge idea of something you wanted to do to actually help brick and mortar businesses, and that was pineapple pickup. And so I want to talk a little bit about maybe for a few minutes how you guys went through the process of how did it become an idea? How did it become something as a couple that you were like, yes, because you guys clearly put your minds to things and you do it, which is huge. How did you decide that that was an idea worth chasing and putting the time in and then putting the effort with all these other things going on as well? It's a loaded question. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I asked. I love it. <laughs> I think it all started once we got together, right? I think once the, the core leadership group, when you, you invited us, I think the, the this was the initial, really yeah, a parallel timeline, initial, which was amazing. Yeah. The initial talks came from all of us brainstorming, how can we help local businesses? And you guys started that, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, eventually Jackie just like, Oh, why don't we do this? And then obviously with my development and restaurant background, I used to work in restaurants a long time ago. So we just said, well, maybe we can, and knowing that restaurants are one of the businesses that are being packed the most, these days and when this whole thing started even more so i mean we we knew uh, this group of ours knew that we wanted to help out businesses and jackie just like well why don't we do this and then i was like yeah it's definitely possible what was the what was what was the this though because i think that's important because you guys literally jumped into a market where businesses were closed mm-hmm. like some of the most pr- prolific businesses in saint pete that have been around forever were shut like there was no going into a restaurant when COVID hit and yeah. you guys decided, Opportunity. How the hell do you find that opportunity and then decide I'm going to put my time and effort into it? Well, I mean, maybe be so, different. Just yeah. be different. Don't follow yeah. everyone. <laughs> just be like, let's just, you know, let's just like. Okay. So it wasn't like another ayahuasca ceremony at home. It was like, oh, oh okay, there it is. Well, I mean, I think talking about the different parallel timeline, <laughs> I think for us in our personal life, let's say crisis moments have always turned out to be a catalyst for our next big thing, our yeah, next yeah. move. And I think that that is so relevant in business as well. Mm-hmm. And we, I mean, we'll, we can talk about this in the context of our new partnership with our, with our new partners at Big C as well. But this is like the oh, natural no. human reaction is typically first to kind of batten down the hatches and like, oh shoot, we don't know what's going on. The floor is moving underneath us. Contraction, yeah. Hold tight and see what's happening. I think that just having that mindset and following the news and seeing that they actually shut down restaurants and told them they had to close, that to me was a light bulb moment in the sense that that is something that none of us have ever seen before. And I think also something that none of us ever expected to see in our lifetime, any kind of scenario where the government can come in and say, you're going to have to close your business because of greater health concerns. That's just unprecedented. And so I think that's just where my mind went is like, that is shocking. And thinking about not only the restaurant owners, but all of the people that are employed by them, 
that's one of the very few industries that has yet to make some kind of transition to any type of digital form of revenue. So they are very heavily brick and mortar focused still. And that, I think that's why my mind went there. It was like, how could, how could these people still make some sort of money and keep some people on payroll? I feel like I've been looking at this very objectively from the beginning in the sense that there was a lot of talk of, you know, thinking, well, we just need to do this for a few weeks or a couple months until things go back to normal. And I, from my perspective, that has never been what was going to happen here, unfortunately. And now that we're several months into this scenario, we see that this is looking like it's going to be much longer term than anyone obviously would hope for it to be. So I feel like I just... I don't know, maybe part of it was luck, part of it was our conversations and having people to bounce ideas off of within the core group. And then also obviously just looking at the skill set of our team and what type of service or you know product we could bring to the market. And that all combined just led me to like... And I think we should circle back a little bit to what I said a little earlier, which is surrounding yourself with people that will support you that have similar ideas that is the, the the right thing to do you know it's like we would have never been able to come up with this or do anything or take action right if we were with the other people there's like oh okay we should just be scared or fear take over and not take action not see opportunities when these things happen right the biggest opportunities happen when there's chaos and then having these people that have similar mindset Mm -hmm. uh, think about, you know, positively, positivity. Sorry, guys, it's my English here. Uh, it's just, I yeah. fucked up your name in the beginning, so it's totally fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So the whole point here, you know, like knowing who you surround yourself with is extremely, extremely, extremely important. <laughs> I cannot jump up and down in my seat enough without breaking things. Yeah. That is one of the biggest principles that, that is so important for people to understand is when you're around people who are screaming fire and you don't know who's screaming and why, because that was one of the biggest things that happened in the beginning when COVID happened. There was so much, in, like when Chris and I first started talking, it was like there was people making memes and all kinds of shit and everybody was literally becoming the director of the CDC from home with no degree or background. A lot of Facebook so doctors. I, oh my <laughs> God. And so this would be kind of fun to hear from your perspective as well. And I think it'd be a great question for people we interview, but you get the call from me because I know we, we had just like met at a group here in St. Pete. Shout out to Entrepreneurial Social Club and Mike Novilla. Manova535, incredible individual entrepreneur here in St. Pete. We met through Entrepreneur Social Club and we fostered that relationship because relationships, in my opinion, is the currency of business. And then we didn't really connect on a personal basis for like six, seven months. Earlier this year, when we were thinking about launching our business, we had a Zoom call and then shit hit the fan. And then the next time I call you or reach out to you, it's the ask of like, I got this idea. Are you guys interested? What was that like for y'all and, and, and what made you decide to, to get, get joined up with CORE itself? I'll, I'll just real quick and then Jackie can do her thing. I think we kind of already knew who you guys were, right? I had met Chris Jenkins before. We had, we had met also at a Halloween party, right, Chris? Oh, yeah. Sitting next yeah. to Chris we, in his scary-ass costume. Yeah, we knew the type of people you were and we knew what your priorities are. Somehow you just know the type of people, no matter what you're going to be connected to that person, whether it's business, personal, friends, just colleagues, whatever it is, you knew that there's something there and we're going to have a good time doing it together, right? So let's just see yeah. where this 
thing goes and have a conversation and talk. So I think that that when you call, just like, ah, Chris is a cool guy. Let's just, you know, see what he wants. And let's, let's, Hell yeah. I think, you know, that whole thing started there. And then, yeah. I would say the same thing. But just to add to it too, I mean, and, and going back to like-minded people and just being able to kind of spot each other in a crowd type of thing. I think the concept right away went in that initial, like, okay, they're shutting down businesses. They're telling us we have to stay in our houses. What is going on? And that initial chaos, having someone that you've already been introduced to come to you and say, hey, we want to put together this group and figure out how we can make a positive impact in this scenario is like, okay, that's the direction. That's where I want to place my focus. I don't want to participate in the doom and gloom element of this conversation because there's and also there's so much negativity in the world right you don't you want to avoid that you want to go to positively love you know like peace friends you know the good being doing good helping you know like so yeah i love it man i love it and uh meet problems with love is always a great solution in my opinion like they say love doesn't solve everything i'm like "Eh, i don't know if you've actually tried that before in that definition (laughs) So what was it about CORE specifically? I know that you guys came in, we had some ideas. We had people from all over the place on those calls. I know we had conversations. I know you and Chris had conversations as well. What was it specifically about CORE that really helped you guys? Like the speed to market is a thing I keep hearing from y'all where it's like opportunity, it's got to happen now. People are losing money, people are losing jobs, and you're still at that place where it's an idea and you're bringing it to execution. What was it about CORE that really helped you guys bring it to fruition? So you just hit the nail on the head for me by talking about speed to market because I feel like you guys provided us with accountability because we had talked about the idea. We had that reinforcement from the group saying like, yeah, that's a good idea. You should do that. And then we get on the call the next week and Chris Jenkins is like, speed to market. Have you guys put it out there yet? Are you done? Are you going to be, is it going to be ready within the next couple of days? And having that is so helpful because I feel like that's the pivotal moment with any idea is Mm. it's so easy for us as humans to have an idea. And even if we know it's a good idea, there is still a fear that you have to push through in bringing it to other people and putting it out there and wondering if it's going to be accepted or if people are going to hate it. And I feel like no matter how much experience you have, no matter how many years in business, that fear is always there to some extent. So having other people that are going to push you and hold you accountable is huge. And take that, action, I mean, guys. that literally, yeah. I feel so many like, people have great ideas. It's about taking the action, yeah. taking that first, second step third step and then just keep moving forward even though so many people around you saying ah yeah i don't know if it's gonna work you know what i'm gonna make it work you know so let's just do it (laughs) so so we're gonna we're gonna clip that part and put that as like the trailer so that's gonna be great (laughs) that i feel like the weekly call was like a kick in the ass to just keep us like pushing forward and i mean i think we also perfectionism can run rampant among mm-hmm. entrepreneurs. And that's another hurdle that you always have to, you want it to be perfect. You want it to be awesome. You want it to wow people. But if you don't put something out there, it'll never be right. It'll never be 100% perfect. For the folks uh, who don't know, can you give us a quick synopsis of what pineapple pickup is? Yeah. 
I just realized we didn't actually <laughs> say that. <laughs> so it is an online ordering platform for restaurants. So we built a templated platform using Shopify that allows restaurants to manage their own online ordering for contactless carryout. And two big takeaways for us in that when we, when we started researching this is looking at services like Uber Eats and DoorDash, which are the most mainstream options for restaurants to allow online ordering for both carryout and delivery, but they charge enormous commission fees especially if you're thinking about a restaurant that is closed and not bringing in any money. So the, the commission fees with some of these national services, just to give you an idea, run between like 15 and 35% of sales. And on top of that, they have a delayed deposit. So the restaurant may get a deposit once a week or once every two weeks from these services so from a cash flow perspective too, especially in today's current landscape where cash flow has taken a huge hit, that's really tough for a restaurant to stomach if they're looking at that as their only option. So with Pineapple Pickup, we said, we think we can build this. Basically, we're building an individual website for the restaurant that the restaurant owner owns and has full creative ownership over as well. It can be customized in the future, whatever they want it to be we thought we could probably build the platform for them, let them start using it and be able to do it for 10% commission. And then quickly, you know, a couple of weeks in said, okay, we need to even get a little bit lower than that for people because we want people to just be able to get up and running. So right now still active today is our 7% COVID relief pricing. So it's completely free to start and 7% commission we don't take commissions right away. We charge them at the end of the month. So the restaurant gets a nightly deposit of all of their sales and we charge 7% at the end of the month of pre-tax sales. A lot of restaurant owners, especially if they've been in the business, if that's been their career, the idea of having to operate online is a very foreign concept, which we've had some really incredible conversations around like, I never thought I would be in this position of having to figure this out. Like, I'm not a tech guy. I'm not a tech girl. I just want to feed people good food and see people have a good time in the restaurant. But we know, you know, we're coming to realize that we have to figure this out and have to have another option. So what I really love about these pineapple pickup stores is that we're starting conversations with people around what else could you add to your online store in addition to allowing people to order their carryout food online? Do you make your own dressings? Do you make your own salsas? Do you have a really cool restaurant brand where you have cool swag that you could add to your online store and start to think about creating this digital revenue stream that you maybe never thought you would need, but you know, in places like California, for example, right now where restaurant dining rooms have been shut down again, those ideas are percolating. And I think we're going to see some really major shifts in the restaurant industry and people that are, they're not just focused on putting food on the table, but figuring out how else can this business generate income. No doubt. No doubt. You guys obviously are helping them in so many different ways. 
Uh, we're getting ready to wrap up a little bit, but we have one more thing to throw out there at you. And I'm going to throw this over to Chris and he's going to hit you all with what we like to call the lightning round and hit you up with some questions that we came up with as a group. We can't wait to hear your answers. I'm going to turn it over to Chris. Coming from Chris Jung, because I'm a little worried. <laughs> no, no, no. You should be. You should be. That's why he's doing it. <laughs> well, we're going to make this pretty easy. Uh, this is our first first time doing a lightning round with interview guests, so uh, we, we may go to harder questions later on, but I do expect some creativity in the answers. No thinking about it much. Just give us a, a fast snap, 30 seconds or so answer on each of these questions. Cocktail of choice. Bloody Mary. Ooh. Jack and Coke used to be at least. <laughs> okay, so she's got breakfast covered and you've got dinner. Yes. <laughs> What's your go-to de-stress method? A meditation. Oh, you stole mine. Can be both. You can have meditation too. Okay, you can meditation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, for both of you, meditation then. Hard-hitting question here. Apple or PC? Apple for sure. Apple. My people. My people. <laughs> I'll forgive you. I won't hold it against you. Uh, <laughs> Peanut butter, smooth or crunchy? Smooth. Ooh. Wow, y'all are very like-minded on these things. <laughs> we eat the same peanut butter. So. <laughs> All we right. We're at the same desk. I'm looking, for, I'm looking for you to bring the heat on this one. What's your favorite insult? I mean, I've insult? always been entertained by mm. bless your heart. <laughs> that, that is a good one, actually. <laughs> As a Yankee, I know that one too well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Junior, can you give us something in Portuguese? Well, I like to make comments about immigrants because I am one, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> insults? Yeah, kind of. I'm not sure. Can you think of something that I've said before? Well, um, I mean, I don't even know what these words mean in Portuguese, but I mean, I oh, hear, uh, I, like, do, you have sometimes, phrases. Yes, okay. Do you speak English? Like, just because sometimes people say stupid things or they don't know what they're saying, do you, can you just speak English, you know? So. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, guys. First participants in the books, the lightning round. Um, so, so, so really quick, guys, we want to make sure people can find you. How do people connect with you? Social media, email, and websites. We can put this in the show notes as well so people can reach out to you. Yeah. PineappleDevelopment.com, PineapplePickup.com. <laughs> and and I'm fairly active on Instagram. It's just my name, Jackie underscore Minkillo. Yep. Instagram is Jackie. Um, an email? He's like, don't find me. Don't find me. <laughs> we'll, throw, we'll, we'll throw your email in, in there and we'll give him a good reason to reach out to you guys. But Do, By the way, say, Donnie's Instagram is all shirtless pics of him working out. So we won't tell you his Instagram address, but go find it. <laughs> so if you guys are listening to this show, you might want to watch the show because we do have a very handsome young man in front of us. <laughs> Likewise. Likewise, guys. Likewise. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for being our first interview here on the show itself, the podcast, and the channel as well. We're super excited to have you here. We're going to go ahead and wrap up. Thank you all, and we'll talk to you all very soon. What the fuck are you waiting for? Take what you learned in this episode and do something with it. You'll find all the links and resources we talked about in our show notes for this episode. Go to unfuckmybusiness.com to subscribe to the show. Yeah.